Hi everyone, welcome to SAMA, a program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Dr. Ryan Shelton, he's our guest expert, to discuss hair loss and how it can be prevented. Hair loss affects a lot of people. Over 50 million Americans are experiencing hair loss. 20% of these people are women. People who become bald or experience hair loss usually have lower self-esteem as the emotional aspects of losing hair can be challenging and difficult to cope with. When faced with hair loss, many people aren't sure where to turn to help. I turn to the razor. Some might try to hide the problem or buy products which claim to restore their hair. But usually the results are modest and quite often it doesn't work at all. Um, the solution doesn't get to the root of the problem, and that pun was intended. In this episode of SAMA, Dr. Ryan Shelton will discuss the main causes of hair loss and the natural approaches you can take to prevent it. Ryan is a physician dedicated to the principles of integrative medicine. He's a diligent researcher and cogent author, driven by the desire to propagate dialogue of health and scientific discovery. Ryan is committed to the wellness of individuals within clinical practice and community wellness through frequent outreach efforts, including radio interviews, lectures, and contributing to various publications. He's the designer and consultant for multiple medical spas and the chief medical officer, head researcher, yes, and formulator for Zenith Labs. So let's hear it for Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Welcome to Sabah. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm, I'm excited to, um, to be speaking with you tonight for me, and, and I think it's in the morning for you. Is that correct? It is. Mornings where things can go wrong, but that we've, we've, gone, we've passed through the lumpy bits, so let's hope that we get through all the smooth stuff without any problems. Now, I really enjoy listening, talking with people that, are, that look at that um, use integrative medicine techniques rather than just channeling in on little little areas and they, they take a step back and, and look at the whole system um, and, and of course this is what you do what made you decide in the early days to first of all like, become a physician what was your motivation? sure sure I knew from an early age I, I was interested in science and by the time I made it to university and, and started studying biochemistry, I was fascinated by how beautiful and intricate we are on the insides, just how everything must go just according to plan yes. through bio biochemical mechanisms. Otherwise, we, we couldn't live. We couldn't yes. live. We couldn't breathe. So I was fascinated by that early on in my university training. And I, I decided to become a functional medical doctor because I, I was not pleased with the Band-Aid approach that many conventional doctors use in their practice of medicine. For me, when an alarm goes off, I don't want to take the battery out of the alarm. I want to find <laughs> out. I, I want to find out what is causing that alarm to go off. And one of my early mentors, 
He practiced in the field of psychiatry. He was kind of an old school Freudian, Jungian type of psychiatrist. You, you, he would set patients down on his couch and talk, talk with them for two hours. And he, um, he implored to me the importance, even being a primary care provider, he, um, he instilled into me the importance of treating every single patient as, as though you were an archaeologist, trying, trying to discover how a person lived thousands of years ago. Yes. And just picking up shards of pottery and perhaps looking at the building structures that they lived in yes. is not enough to understand how they live, to understand what their worldview was. Right. You really had to understand their culture. You had to understand their lifestyle so that you could begin to appreciate what it was like to exist a few thousand years ago. And, and so every patient that, that walks into my door or every patient that I work with, I re really try to approach them as comprehensively as possible, understanding that there are so many positive and negative influences to their health. Yes. And it really requires, especially in today's age of convenience with so many uh, environmental toxins that we're exposed to, a lot of stress that we're constantly under and under sieged. And uh, even in the last 20 years, human relationships have started to change in ways that that perhaps we're not getting that emotive type of experience that we would face to face. It's all now, or not all now, but it's moving more and more towards uh, a virtual experience online. Everything right. is quick and ready. Yes. And, and, and so certainly in the past 100 years, through changes of diet in the past 50 or 60 years, through exposures to, to new environmental chemicals, and in the past decade, uh, what the virtual reality has created to us uh, really places us further and further away to a, a physical, mental, spiritual healing that we all have inside of us tucked away. And if, if we can gain access to that, some really remarkable things have happened that I've seen. That's amazing. The, um, when you mentioned about um, fast and easy, well, that's two things that salmonivorous. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so refreshing to speak to somebody who's got a... Um, I, I'd regard your viewpoint as being very knowledgeable. Like, it's, it's very wise. We weren't... We didn't evolve in an instant. And everything just works so amazingly well. One could say it's almost like magic. And so you can't just take off, take out the battery, take, pop a pill to stop the communication between something which is working right and your brain. So your brain doesn't know that something's not working right. Problem solved, right? <laughs> so this convenience yeah. thing is really working against us, isn't it? Really it, it, it is. And, and, you know, I think there are, as a scientist, as a researcher, I think that there are still, in, in this modern era, I think that you can approach science in one of certainly two major ways. You can approach it as uh, that everything is just a machine and it's mechanical and it, and it, and it works. And, and what I'm doing looking at a microscope is just getting a closer view of that. 
or you can look at, at everything still in a state of awe and fascination, understanding the, the processes that are at play, but coming to it with kind of a childlike fascination and appreciation, understanding the process that creates life as we know it and, and really loving it and, and trying to work with it the best that we can to create better health and wellness at the end of the day. So I, I know that this topic is um, on hair, specifically hair loss. And what, what I do for most of my patients is, is approach every patient similarly, uh, at first blush at least, for any condition that they walk in with. If, if it is hair loss or diabetes or muscle pain and joint pain, changes in vision, changes in, in skin, GI distress, whatever they come in with, I approach them first and foremost, and I get into details and specifics, but first and foremost, I approach them with what I call the five pillars of health. I look at their diet and nutrition. I look at their activity level, therapeutic exercise. I look at their endocrine system because this, this amazing hormone or endocrine system that we have is this symphony of communication that is constantly occurring inside of us, telling our organs what to do, telling our brain what to think in terms of these neuro, neuroendocrine systems and neurotransmitter systems. It's, it's that inner communication that occurs, the, the hormone system. So making sure that it's in proper balance, looking at detoxification pathways in the body and the mind-body relationship. We are, most of us, are under a great deal of stress. And most of us do not practice daily stress-relieving techniques to help mitigate some of the physical and mental effects of the stress that we're all under. Now, we can, we can, we can change the stressors externally from time to time, but what we have more power over and what we have more control over is how our body responds to stress and, and how we react to stress. And there are some simple techniques that, that I educate my patients on to get better control of your body's physiological reaction to stress so that it doesn't cause some of the physical problems. So that's the fourth pillar. And then the fifth, fifth pillar I look at uh, uh, is in the chemical world, either a medication or a botanical agent or a nutritional supplement. So something external that you take, if, right. it's, a, if it's an all natural substance, if it's an herbal botanical agent, if it's a pharmaceutical medication. I, I tend to work up a ladder of therapy starting at the base where I review those first four pillars, nutrition and, 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 and diet, exercise and physical activity, the mind-body detox relationship, hormone balancing. And then if we, if we need to start adding things externally, I'm, I'm on board. Because I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I'm, I'm interested in, in helping patients. And if, if that includes botanical agents and, and natural supplements or even pharmaceutical agents, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Even though I have to 
to meet each individual with their own worldview and, and what they want out of their medical care. So hair loss is very common worldwide, and it is increasing in its prevalence. Um, and I, I want to briefly go through each of those five pillars of health to, to tell you what I would do. And then we'll talk more specifically about, about hair loss. So let's talk about diet and nutrition first of all. So diet and nutrition can go a long way at preventing hair loss yes. or at least slowing down the process of hair loss, the progression of alopecia. It's also known as alopecia. Slowing down the progression of hair loss. I know of virtually nothing that you can do or take that magically will give you a full head of hair overnight. Yeah, there's some surgical methods, but those are quite messy and have their own set of complications and, and problems. But let's focus on diet. So the dietary patterns that should be considered for individuals that either have a family history of hair loss or have noticed some beginning stages of, of thinning. Let's talk about two categories, macronutrients and micronutrients. So the, the macronutrients are proteins, carbohydrates, fats, and I always put uh, fiber in there as a macronutrient for good reason. So okay. let's, let's talk about proteins. The proteins should be healthy sources, and most protein sources also have accompanying fats. So the healthy proteins and healthy fats usually go hand in hand, although that's not necessarily always true. In the, veg in the vegetarian kingdom, uh, beans and legumes are excellent sources of protein, but very low in fat. Whole grains are a decent sort of a decent source of protein, very low in fat. But for the most part, if, if we're talking about uh, meats and cheeses and eggs, if you're choosing a healthy protein source, most commonly there are healthy fats associated with it. So for the proteins, uh, I recommend that you avoid red meats. There are some studies that correlate the consumption of red meats with a higher incidence of alopecia or hair loss. You should avoid those proteins that are uh, charred or barbecued or cooked at very high <laughs> temperatures because that process cross-links. Uh, it's very tasty, but it cross-links. You're describing, my mouth is kind of like, you know, well, I'm a vegetarian, but... <laughs> you're, you're describing the um, the lifestyle of everybody that, who loves like having a barbecue, you know, and, and right. really burning things up. Yeah, and and the problem with that is is the cross links that you create in that cooking process of high heat cross links right. the proteins with sugar molecules, and that has really negative consequences for inflammation throughout the body. It progresses the aging process. It it shrivels up those hair follicles, which obviously progresses hair loss. Uh, so avoid high heat, charred, barbecued foods as protein. Um, 
So those are, are foods that you want to try to limit, if not avoid, red meats and, and charred meats. Yeah. The proteins that, that you want to consider are nuts and seeds, because not only do they have fantastic protein, but very healthy fatty acids, essential fatty acids. Mm. Uh, things that live in the ocean. So uh, good sources, hopefully wild sources of cold water fish, salmon is an excellent option, halibut is an excellent option, um, certain, certain varieties of tuna can be an excellent option, certain varieties of shrimp and shellfish can be a, a, an excellent option. You do have to be cognizant of the source and uh, certain pollutants that can be associated with the fish and seafood products such as heavy metals like mercury and lead and arsenic. Um, so making sure that you're, you're choosing good healthy sources of uh, seafood and, and things that live on in the ocean. So we have nuts and seeds, we have fish, uh, and I know you're a vegetarian, I hope not to, to offend you in any ways, but uh, ethically grown grass pasture fed beef and bison and deer and elk actually have a much better essential fatty acid profile than those that are uh, raised in stockyards and fed grain. Right. Uh, they have higher levels of B vitamins. I'm talking about grass-fed, free-range, happy cows and buffalo and, and elk. Um, they have uh, they they have higher levels of uh, carnosine, which can be beneficial for hair growth as well. So happy happy animals can lead to a, a happy head of hair. Uh, and then free-range um, poultry and egg products, uh, I think, would be an excellent source of, of protein and essential fatty acids. Now let's – so those are in the animal kingdom. Now let's move a bit into the vegetable kingdom where I've already mentioned, mentioned uh, beans and legumes, fantastic source of protein, uh, low in fat. Uh, and then some, some healthy fats that you can get in the veg vegetable kingdom. Let's think of avocados and olives and nuts and seeds, coconut, coconut milk, all of these fantastic sources of fat. So why am I talking about this? Because protein is essential for, for good nutrition and good hair growth. Healthy fats, essential for good nutrition and healthy hair growth. And now let's talk about Another category of macronutrient, carbohydrates. We want to avoid high-carb, refined carbohydrates of all types. It exacerbates inflammatory processes throughout the body, and anytime you aggravate inflammatory processes, which we'll get into in a little bit, that atrophies hair follicles, or it can contribute to atrophy of hair follicles, and lead to the progression of, of uh, a faster hair loss. Um, so anything high carbohydrate, refined carbohydrates, the sweets, the sugars, uh, anything baked, going back to the cross-linking, so that, that yummy bread that fills the room with an incredible aroma, that has the starches and proteins that, that cross-link, that can be deleterious to hair growth. One more thing going back to fats, avoid I'm also... To, I'm, I'm going to unfringe you, you know, because you've just described everything I like. 
briefly going back to fats, avoid to the best you can any saturated fats or trans fats uh, because oh. this just just serves to aggravate the inflammatory process. Okay. So that's a general statement about macronutrients. Now, micronutrients. Micronutrients are vitamins and minerals. And we know that while they're all important, some of these micronutrients are more important, specifically for hair growth, and you should include more of these foods in your diet. So one is actually a carotene. You've heard of beta carotene. The first one is lycopene. It's high in uh, foods like tomatoes and watermelon. It's found in, in carrots as well mangoes, pumpkin, any kind of squash, high in lycopene. So lycopene, fantastic for uh, hair growth. It's an antioxidant. It also helps with some enzymes specific to testosterone, which we'll get to in a little bit. L-lysine is another amino acid, which is a little bit of uh, protein. L-lysine found in nuts and seeds. Fantastic for hair growth. Biotin. I'm, I'm sure if, if you've gone to your local health food market or uh, health food store, everyone in there tells you about the importance of biotin. And for good reason. There, there are both animal studies and human studies that show biotin can improve hair growth and result in, in thicker hair. And there are food sources of biotin. Uh, berries, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, bananas are a decent source of biotin. Beans and legumes are a decent source of biotin. Peanuts are a decent source of biotin. And those dark leafy green veggies, uh, chard and kale and mustard greens, all decent sources of biotin. And so we should include more of those in your diet. Next is zinc. Now, zinc is probably the most important mineral for hair growth uh, for a variety of reasons, and most specifically, it helps with some of these uh, hormone enzymes, which we'll get to in a bit. So zinc is found rich in seafood, spinach, kale, nuts and seeds, particularly um, uh, cashews. Uh, and then one of my favorites, which most people are not big fans of, but I find them to be quite, quite tasty, um, mushrooms are actually an excellent source of, of zinc as well. Right, wow. You're describing a lot of produce which nowadays is grown hydrophonically, grown artificially. So I guess this is why baldness is becoming more prevalent is because the vegetables are becoming more deprived, more different. No, they're having less content of the biotin and the zinc and all the other natural micronutrients. That, that's true. And uh, it's very unfortunate because we are, we are doing our, I can't say the word best. We're doing our, um, <laughs> uh, we're doing our, our, we're putting forth our sternest effort to feed as many people as we can. And, and I can't yeah. even say that's true because there are so many hungry people in this world. Yeah. But yeah. we're doing so mass scale. We're doing so commercially, which is another reason I always recommend that you buy locally from yes. your local farmers, from your yes. local markets who, yes. who are growing the foods that are not sprayed in fields full of pesticides and herbicides and fungicides. They're organically grown. 
they're they're richer and higher in content of these micronutrients, vitamin C's and, and zinc and vitamin E. So always go local if we can, but that that puts me on a different political pedestal. Than, oh, yeah, right. Than if, you did, if, you, if you did go to a local market, you talk to a real person, not an avatar, not online, not through, you know, through the email or anything. And that's the other part of what you're talking about at the very uh, start of the summer, how we today are living virtually, really, aren't we? We're not living in the real world. And when you want to address a problem holistically, you want to really look at, it, at the whole picture, and part of it is our spiritual health. You don't get any sort of um, benefits from, <laughs> or very few benefits with um, just communicating with with all your with all your friends and everything online. Who doesn't enjoy facing a real friend face to face and just going somewhere with them and, and you know having a good laugh and that's that's part of good health, isn't it? And, and so this added bonus of going to a real farmers market, meeting real farmers, real people. <laughs> And um, yeah. to, to, to me, it's, it's no big secret. More people have control over more of their lives than they think. Yeah. They, they, may, they may not believe it, but people have more control over their lives than they think. And one of the key words that I use for people, because it, it works at the smallest scale through all the way to the biggest scale, is the word sustainable. You ask yourself, is this action sustainable? Is it sustainable for me? Can, can I begin to eat more brightly colored foods? I recommend nine servings of five colors every single day. Wow. Can I sustain eating more nuts and seeds? And can I sustain my pocketbook? Can it sustain? paying a little bit more for, for happy cows and happy milk. Can I sustain this? Can my neighborhood sustain it? Can my community sustain it? So every choice that you make for your own health is not a selfish one. It, it affects everything. And, and um, so the answer to the, or, or the question that should be asked when, when you make a decision about health, can I sustain it? Is it a sustainable solution? If it is, and, and if you follow, a, most people know what a healthy diet is. It's rich in fruits and vegetables, healthy proteins, healthy fats. It's, it's shopping on the perimeter of your grocery store or market, not, <laughs> not going down the aisles where all of the processed manufacturing. You know those tricks, don't you? You know them. It, it's it's not the chemical. I, I don't want to eat chemicals. I want to eat food. I, I want to eat something that was living so it can give me life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's briefly on diet. So, so important. And if you implement these strategies earlier, they can provide more benefit down the road. Now let's talk about the importance of hormone balancing. So when it comes to hormone balancing, uh, I like to hone in on one hormone in particular. It's present in both males and females, though more in males than females, testosterone. Mm. So testosterone has been widely, widely studied. It is probably the most studied mm. hormone when it comes to hair loss, and for good reason. Yes. So testosterone 
is metabolized internally by the body. The, the body has to deal with any chemical, if it's from the outside or if it's endogenous from the inside. Right. And, and hormones are chemicals, so it has to met be metabolized. And the process of metabolizing testosterone can, can go down a few different pathways. And one of those pathways is completely awesome and great. It leads to no negative effects. Your body's happy with it. It excretes it from the body or it recyclate, recirculates it within the body. No problem. We're happy. We are either recirculating this vital hormone or we're changing it into a form that we pee out. Great. That's how it's supposed to work. Unfortunately, there are other pathways that can metabolize testosterone. One of them is through an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase. Fancy biochemical word. 5-alpha reductase. It's just the name of an enzyme that changes testosterone into a really much more potent form of testosterone called dihydrotestosterone. It's also abbreviated DHT. DHT causes problems. Really? DHT binds to testosterone receptors way more tightly and uh, tenaciously than testosterone does. And so it grabs hold of, of the receptors and activates them more strongly than your happy little testosterone does. And that's a problem for both men and women because the receptors in our scalp are actually rich in testosterone receptors. But if we're, act if we're stimulating them through the wrong form of testosterone, not happy testosterone, but DHT, dihydrotestosterone, you're stimulating them too hard, and the, the hair follicle moves from the telogen phase, or I'm sorry, from the anagen phase, which is a phase of growth, to the telogen phase, which is not growth, faster. And it's more likely to stay in telogen phase and not regrow hair. All of us, even you, all of us have hair follicles that are in turnover. For most of their lives, these hair follicles' lives, they're in the anagen phase. They're, they're producing hair. And they all go through a cycle during the telogen phase where they don't actively grow hair. They're just, they're chilling. They're on, they're on holiday. And then the idea is that they go back into the anagen phase where they actively start growing hair again. The problem is when, when more and more and more hair follicles are recruited to remain in that no growth phase, the telogen phase, then you don't, then you don't grow hair. Uh, they, they just shrivel up and become these follicles that are not as responsive to the rest of the physiological processes that they need to be. They don't necessarily die, but they're, they're taking a nap for sure. And, and so we want to do things to hopefully slow down that conversion from testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. There's another pathway that changes testosterone into estrogen in both males and females. Amazing. And that, that causes problems too. That causes the 
the hair cells or hair follicles to remain more in the telogen phase. So what do I want to do? I want to keep more happy testosterone and try to slow down, if not stop, 5-hydro or 5-alpha reductase and aromatase. I've got good news for you. There are natural agents that can slow down both of those enzymes. It's amazing. For, for instance, for aromatase, green tea, black tea can slow down the aromatase enzyme. Wow. Quercetin, which is highest in onions, especially yellow onions, can slow down uh, aromatase. Berries. Dark berries and cherries can slow down aromatase. <laughs> Fantastic. Red wine can slow because of uh, resveratrol that's found in red wine. Red wine, in moderation, can, can slow down the aromatase enzyme. It's not in moderation. It slows down everything, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. And then there are some natural agents that can slow down 5-alpha reductase. Again, green and black tea. Yes. So drink at least three to five cups of either green or black tea. Not only do they help with this hair growth enzyme, they have other effects too. They make you more focused, give you more energy. They're antioxidants. Some studies have shown that green drinking green tea in good amounts can protect against certain kinds of cancer, which is phenomenal. Uh, Sol palmetto, which is an herbal extract, sol palmetto can slow down that transition from testosterone to DHT. Pygeum, which is um, another herbal extract, Pygeum. Uh, and then two culinary herbs that you may have in your own kitchen, thyme and sage. Both of those culinary herbs can slow down the process of that conversion of the happy testosterone to the not so good testosterone. So there are things that you can consume daily to help that hormonal process. And, and it's a big problem for both males and females. After the age of 30 in males, your testosterone begins to decrease by about 2% per year. That means by the time you hit 60 or, seven, or 60 or 70, you're literally half the man you used to be in, in terms of testosterone. And if your testosterone levels are low, or whatever testosterone levels are left are being turned into dihydro or estrogen, you're going to exacerbate the hair loss process. So there are some simple lab tests that you can do to see what your testosterone levels are. You can actually test the activity levels of those enzymes, which is amazing, to see how much testosterone you're converting into the bad metabolites of testosterone. <laughs> Um, just, just to see uh, what you can do to, to help that process. And other hormones are vitally important as well. Growth hormone, very important. If those levels are low, hair loss will progress. Cortisol levels, that's the hormone involved with stress mostly. If that is out of balance, hair loss will progress. Wow. So where I start with individuals is going through a, a very lengthy questionnaire so that I can get an idea of if any of those hormones are out of balance, if I need to do laboratory testing, because my, my clinical uh, 
picture isn't as clear as I want it to be, then I follow up with laboratory testing. But to balance out those hormones, making sure they're adequate in physiological range, not in excess, not deficient, and their metabolites are, are working as they should be to our benefit is really vital when it comes to, um, when it comes to hair loss. Next, go ahead. I was going to mention DHT is one of the uh, checkboxes for bodybuilding supplements. Yes, it contains yeah. DHT, truckloads of it. <laughs> and um, oops. <laughs> and um, not only does DHT cause problems up in the scalp, it causes problems for men for the prostate gland. Um, and and many of those individuals who are taking that form of testosterone and and hitting the gym every day to look uh, virile at the age of 20 or 30, most of them will not look as youthful when they hit 50 or 60. <laughs> it's really scary, isn't it? It's living for the moment. Living for the moment. It is. And, and one more thing to disappoint you, John. I want to tell you one more thing to disappoint you. So something in your, something in your, in your diet. Yes can aggravate the conversion of testosterone to estrogen, which you don't want if you're a male. Okay. And it's one of my favorite things uh, in moderation. Yes. Beer. Actually, there's a joke about that one too, but I won't say it because I'm not <laughs> <laughs> But that's quite, a, that's quite a surprise, really. If you can elaborate, please. What is this? And, and it's, it's specifically, it's not lagers. It's, it's specifically the very hoppy beer, like an IPA. Right. So hops, yes. the, the herb, hop, yes. Yes. hops, yes. cumulus, cumulus lupulus is the scientific name. Uh, hops, which is in much higher content in IPAs, hops, actually increases aromatase, that enzyme that converts testosterone into estrogen. And that not only causes hair loss, speeds up hair loss, but causes problems for the prostate too. So um, drink red wine or uh, if you're going to go with beer, drink lagers or pilsners, which are uh, less hoppy than IPAs. Yeah, but then they've got corn syrup problems, haven't they? I wonder if I could slip in a question. Sure. Uh, from our beautiful Echo, um, what can be done to prevent hair loss after birth, after childbirth? Oh yeah, that's a good question, and and no it's a no. yeah, it's it's actually absolutely involved with hormones, and and it's due, it's due to the sudden crash of both estrogen in, in females. It's due to the sudden crash of both estrogen and progesterone that occurs. Uh, subsequent to pregnancy. Now you can you can mitigate that somewhat as long as you're a breastfeeding mother, uh, because those levels of hormones do not crash as abruptly. Right. Uh, but eventually, obviously, you'll have to wean the child, and, and those hormone levels will drop off even more. And the studies have shown that it, it's likely due to the crash in progesterone more so than estrogen. And in my own practice, uh, for a female that has, uh, is postpartum and has experienced hair loss, uh, if, if they're 
no longer breastfeeding, of course you have to approach this uh, case by case, but if they're no longer breastfeeding, uh, I test her hormone levels almost always. Her progesterone levels are too low. Uh, I do a, a natural bioidentical progesterone gel or cream applied topically uh, to get those levels back up into the normal range. Uh, they do great. They typically report more energy, better focus, and oh yes, my hair is growing back. Uh, so, so typically it's a drop of that progesterone postpartum that causes the hair loss. Okay. And would you suggest also a change in diet? I, I would suggest a change in diet. And, and it goes back to making sure that you're eating plenty of healthy protein, yeah. plenty of healthy essential fatty acids, particularly omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, use culinary herbs as much as you can. I, I know I mentioned thyme and, and sage, but rosemary um, and turmeric and cumin and cayenne, all of these have some pretty potent both anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. And inflammation is troublesome throughout the body. And it's, it's troublesome for those hair follicles, too. Anytime you have systemic inflammation going on, anything that you can do to quench those free radicals, and you can make quite a headway just through diet and nutrition, right. uh, eliminating the bad sugars, eating healthy fats, mm. uh, m more nuts and seeds, more antioxidant, mineral foods like zinc, selenium, and chromium. And those culinary herbs go a long, long way, not just for flavor, but promoting better health. Right. The essential oils from those products, if someone has the essential oils of cumin, turmeric, and the others that you mentioned, would that also have the same effect? Let's say if you put the oil on your body, because it gets absorbed by your skin. Is that, that's uh, some of it is absorbed and funny that we're talking about hair loss because I, um, I have seen and I've recommended the application of um, certain essential oils to the scalp. Right. Um, it, it, the essential oils do penetrate the skin and are absorbed systemically, but most of their effect are going to be localized. Okay. So if you apply it directly to the scalp, they're going to have more pronounced effects than if you say apply it down in the arm and <laughs> and and some of my favorite essential oils for topical use uh for hair on the scalp uh, would be rosemary lavender cedar wood is quite good uh and um frankincense uh so m m mixing together those essential uh, oils and basically massaging them into your scalp uh, can improve circulation locally. And as long as, as long as inflammation is under control, increasing local circulation to the scalp is a, is a great thing. And all those oils that you mentioned are very lovely smelly oils as well. Very aromatic. So, uh, Absolutely. Extra bonus there too. Um, so, so I have two more things to touch on. I know we're running a little short on time, and then um, and then uh, I'll take any other questions. So uh, the next thing I want to touch on is the detox mind-body relationship. Uh, more and more evidence is coming out that exposure to environmental toxins, be they heavy metals, 
persistent organic volatile oils, plastics, uh, herbicides, pesticides, they can cause problems for uh, hair follicles. They can cause problems for the immune system. They can cause problems for inflammation. And so uh, that's a different topic for another day. But doing the best that we can to limit our, ex our known exposure to environmental toxins. And there are a number of different steps that you can do to limit your exposure so that they do not continue to bioaccumulate in the system uh, is, is a great idea. So that's the detox. And then mind-body stress is a problem. It's a problem for most people. And the more tools that we can have in our tool belt to help us deal with chronic stress, the better we will be systemically overall but the better our health will be and the better our scalp has an opportunity to regrow hair so it's not all in the mind but it is that mind body relationship that is so important and if if we can engage in deep breathing exercises if we can engage in meditation or prayer or therapeutic movements like yoga and tai chi and qigong, something to slow us down and take concern off for for even ten or fifteen minutes yes. can be powerful medicine. Yes. yes. So I, I wanted to state that. And then finally, there there are some nutritional supplements and topical agents that can be applied that I've seen be beneficial, assuming that diet and nutrition is in place, that you're physically active and engaging in exercises, the hormones are balanced, we have that detox mind-body relationship and being mindful of that relationship. And there are some supplements that you can take. I, I mentioned a, a few herbal extracts, salt palmetto, pygeum. If you have one that includes uh, a, a high a highly standardized extract of pumpkin seed, which has been shown to be beneficial for, for hair, uh, hair growth. So salt, palmetto, pygeum, uh, a highly concentrated standardized extract of uh, pumpkin seed, zinc, vitamin D12, having a supplement that contains uh, some elements that work through different mechanisms on circulation, on hair follicles, on inflammation, on hormone balancing. I always like to attack it from all of these different angles because they're all playing a role in, in why you're losing hair. And then topically, similar agents can be used uh, topically, made into a, a spray or a, a shampoo uh, or a salve that you apply to the scalp. I've, I've helped formulate some, some um, topical agents that have salt palmetto and, and pygeum, pumpkin seed extracts, higher levels of zinc. And they work along the same mechanisms as some of the prescription topical agents. Uh, not that I have any stock in this company, but uh, uh, Rogaine would be the most common uh, topical pharmaceutical agent. And it works along the same lines as these natural agents, but the natural agents have the benefit that they don't cause the, the kind of uh, side effects that are associated with Rogaine, they're, they're better tolerated, though they work along the same, uh, the same mechanism. So 
that's about all I have, John. Do you have any other questions for me? Uh, I, I could go on and on. But the oh, I love it. I love it because you're saying snippets everywhere. When you're talking even about um, natural products not having the side effects, we were created along with, alongside these natural products. We evolved at the same time. So, of course, there's not going to be reactions against something which is purely natural. <laughs> which is man-made and allegedly better, an improvement on nature. And this is where you get the complications. But there are two um, questions I'd like to slip in here. The first one is from uh, Tobias uh, uh, Biharel. Gosh, that's a beautiful surname, isn't it? Biharel. I wonder where that's from. Um, I wonder what implications electrical noise has, like um, 5G, Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> That is a great question. Thank you for that question. So I, I actually just made, uh, I did quite a bit of research. It took me several days to, to reach out to other experts in the field uh, because honestly, I didn't know much about this topic until, um, until just a couple of months ago. Right. Um, I, I reached out to experts in the field. I actually ended up attending a, a conference about uh, EMF or electronic electromagnetic frequency radiation uh, and its effects on on health um, I learned so much and uh, listening to the experts and and I reached out personally to some of the experts read a lot of articles because the more and more I read the more I was impressed with the research and uh, the more also that I was discouraged that more people don't know about it um, so I actually ended up making uh, a brief educational video on this. Uh, it's been it's it's been several weeks ago, uh, where I start the video saying, "Look, I'm not the bad guy here. I'm just telling you what science is showing, and it's not good news that I have because yeah. I I'm on Wi-Fi right now, and there's 5G seeping in every cell of my body, and and the studies." Are, are pretty miraculous and pretty terrifying mm. on the negative effects of electromagnetic radiation right. on, on all systems of the body, on, on the endocrine system, on the nervous system, on the mental behavioral system, on, uh, on putting, putting many people at higher risk for developing certain types of uh, malignancies and, and cancer causing uh, increases in several indexes of inf inflammation throughout the body and mm -hmm. and we know that anytime inflammation is present that's just going to make hair loss worse mm -hmm. uh, I, across all of my readings I never came into anything specifically about exposure to EMF um, correlating to a progression of hair loss but we know it correlates with inflammation and we know that inflammation is a problem uh, right. for hair loss okay um, a question from Carmela Walker uh, Carmela asks um, you must know uh, Ryan these argon cones these violet ray cones that you can buy which uh, guarantee you get instant hair the next day or hair regrowth um, is there science behind that? Do they do as the as the box says? Um, so the sci I'm not convinced with the science on that so far. Um, the 
So that's a different question than do they work. Okay. Um, so the science I'm not impressed with because I've seen a few studies on them and the study samples are either small, yes. so on not many people, yes. so you can't draw larger conclusions from it. Right. Uh, or, the, or the studies were not well performed. Um, the, the, the placebo was weird or there was no placebo or the population that they picked from was biased for one reason or another. Um, so I'm not impressed with the studies uh, or maybe they were funded by the company making the brushes or combs. Uh, I'm not impressed with the studies, but um, I have heard several people have good reports on them. Yes. Uh, meaning that they've used them for a while and they've noticed that their hair becomes thicker or, or they've developed some new hair growth. Mm. And that's great. I, I, that's fantastic. It, it seems that it should not cause side effects or harm. Um, and, and that's great. Uh, case studies and anecdotal reports are just as much a part of the human knowledge as double-blind placebo-controlled studies, um, but the, the studies I've seen on them, I'm, I'm not impressed with. Okay, okay. Well, I guess if they're inexpensive, it wouldn't be much of an outlay for people to try. Um, okay, now Eric has done a naughty thing, and he's asked a double question, but we'll, we'll let that slide for now. Um, he asks, first of all, vigorous massaging of the scalp. Is that beneficial? Yeah, I think it can be um, because the, the point of, of doing that massage is, is to increase circulation locally. Um, there's not a whole lot of lymph fluid in the massage or in the scalp compared to other areas of the body. So you're not doing much in terms of removing waste products, okay. but by, by physically stimulating the the skin of the scalp, you can encourage circulation. Right. And if you're going to do it, why not do it with one of these essential oils that can also increase circulation like right. rosemary and, and right. thyme? Yeah. Uh, go ahead and, and do that vigorous massage with the application of essential oils. Right. Because his, his double question was, is using coconut oil on here good? That's a good question. Uh, I, I lived I lived in Hawaii for a, a few years, and of, of course, they use coconut for for virtually everything. <laughs> um, so, uh, honestly, I, I am not sure that coconut oil would be any more beneficial than, say, olive oil okay. in terms of promoting hair growth. But you could use either as a driving oil for essential oils because essential oils neat meaning undiluted yes. uh, can be a little strong for some people right, right. and so having a having a base of coconut oil and then using four or five drops of rosemary and lavender and thyme in that base of coconut oil and then using that as a massage oil i think is an excellent idea right do you ever talk to people about the emotional aspect of hair loss. Sure, um, it it has a large emotional component to it um, in terms of confidence, in terms of um, how they 
how they believe others look at them and feel about them, even though in the vast majority of cases, what they think, what they believe other people think about them doesn't turn out to be true. No. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a false hood that they place upon themselves that, okay, how I look is going to change. And so how people perceive me is going to change. And for the most part, if someone knows who you are and, and they appreciate you for who you are and what you bring into the world and the gifts that you have, uh, they couldn't care how much hair you have or what color it is. Or, I mean, they could care less. Um, so um, for those people that count, it, it oftentimes is a, an inner over-exaggeration about the impact. But it, it absolutely, it, it, can cause, it can cause clinical depression, it can cause clinical anxiety, it can cause major problems with self-esteem and, and, and confidence. Uh, there are a number of patients that I've seen that have gone on anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication just because they're thinning hair. That's, that's very sad. They could perpetuate the problem, I guess, if they, if they become more stressed. Then the cortisol yeah. levels go up and then the hair goes out more. And gosh, that is sad. Look, I appreciate um, you staying on for so long. The salmon was later starting because of um, problems on my side, internet problems. I'm wondering if I could slip in just one last question, Ryan, before we do, um, before I ask the important question of where we can get more information from your websites. Carmela has asked a question about C60. A C60 carbon is used for a multitude of things. It's, it's, a, it's mm. a miraculous compound. And is there benefit in using that both externally and internally? Do you have any views on that? Sure. I, I, I would recommend to begin with external use um, because it, it is a different kind of, of um, compound. Yes. And... I, I treat every individual as a as uh, as an individual, and we all respond to things differently. And and so, with with such a a, a different compound as as C sixty, I would recommend external use, just just to see, just to see how it's tolerated, mm -hmm. just to see how you interact with it. Mm -hmm. If you do well with external use. Then you can start internal use at the lower scale of dosing, and then and then work up uh, over the period of of a few weeks again, just to make sure that you're tolerating it well. Uh, I've I've heard good reports about it. I I don't think that it's a magic uh, pill or panacea that will do all good to all people. Um, but but I, I've had some good reports on it, and there is some interesting science around it. Wow. Now, a lot of people have been um, throwing questions our way, and we've got a very um, high uh, viewer participation. Where can people find out more about what we've talked about today? Is there a website that we can direct people to? That, like this video that we recorded, where can people view this video? Oh yeah. Um, so I I have a different a number of different roles in life, and uh, <laughs> one of them is um, 
uh, as an educator. And, and so uh, some of my time is, is spent doing performing research and then reporting on the findings that I have. Uh, and, and I have a YouTube channel that I would encourage you to check out. We're on Facebook and we're on Instagram, but probably the easiest, most simple segue is, is the YouTube channel. Um, I, I think you can just do a search on, on YouTube. I'm not sure exactly what the channel is called, but I think it's maybe uh, Dr. Ryan Shelton Zenith Labs. Uh, it's just my name and then a, a company that I'm associated with, Zenith Labs. Um, so Dr. Ryan Shelton, Zenith Labs. And I, I've had, uh, gosh, I, I think I've posted maybe close to 50 different videos on a variety of different topics. And some of them are quite popular and some of them people don't care about. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine because I, I care about all of the topics. Um, but yeah, I think the easiest segue would be uh, the YouTube channel. where They can find me more educating people and then, uh, if they're interested in any of the, the supplements that I create, we have a website, zenithlabs.com, that you can check out as well. But th those social media uh, channels are more for educational purposes. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. It's, um, it's been amazing. You've described simple, natural ways that people can approach hair loss. You've really described a condition that sh needn't have the stigma that it has in modern society. And um, you've also touched on other items, which, um, which is part of the um, integrative medicine approach of looking at the larger picture, inflammation, for an example. How um, it's not, it, maybe your hair loss can be indicative of a more serious condition. So rather than focusing on what's happening up here, <laughs> you should be focusing on what's happening inside as well, or, or at least looking into it. Absolutely. And, and that goes back to one of the first points I've made that if an alarm is going off, right. I'm not interested in changing the batteries that yeah. the hair loss is, is just a sign. Yeah. It, it's, it's not, it's not the problem. The problem is something bigger. The hair loss is just a sign that something's right. wrong. Right. And when you, when you actually drew up the analogy there, it brought to mind painkillers. To me, how people take painkillers, and that's that's absolutely without question taking out the batteries of the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> it's the very worst thing you can do. Your body's screaming out something. If someone if someone's screaming out for help, the last thing you want to do is this, <laughs> and this is what painkillers are doing. Wow. Well. Thank you for staying on a little bit later, a lot later than what we were scheduled to run. It's really appreciated. I must apologize for the, uh, for the uh, technical hiccup that we experienced. Have a fantastic evening. Thank you very much for all this knowledge you've gifted to us. It's been my pleasure, John. It's been my pleasure. Nice, nice talking to you. Wonderful meeting you and talking to you. Thank you, Ryan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.